Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Today we continue our series, The Church, and I was thinking about, or I would continue our series, Why? I already kind of... uh, blew my title, but I'll share it now. Uh, why? And the, the thought that has been week, working with on my heart this whole week coming up to this point, in fact, it was a couple weeks ago we were in prayer time before church and we, we gathered, we have like 30, 40 people that pray uh, about 9.20 before church and we believe what God's going to do. And we were standing there and, and, and Brett was men- mentioning something or talking about something and all of a sudden he said, why the church? And Boy, that hit me so hard. I thought, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a message I want to preach. Why the church? Why did God use the church to represent him? Why, why, would, why would God use us, people, to represent him? And, you know, the entire series that I've designed is basically the whole idea of this is the struggles that we can have our, in our faith with God. And so much of it has to do with society out there and how they've, their perspective of God, their perspective of the church, their perspective. And sometimes we get those questions that come our direction and, and how do we answer those questions. And, and to me the question is why the church? Why would God choose the church? We've all heard the stories of pastors who've been caught in sexual scandals. Abusive behaviors, manipulation. We've seen, we've seen the stories where pastors have used their platform uh, to become rich, basically. You know, they've used it in a way that for monetary success. Not just pastors. We've seen situations with people who profess to be Christians, but who are leaving their spouses, who are abusive to their kids, who are dishonest in their business dealings, who are unforgiving and filled with hate towards another person. Sometimes it seems like there's no difference between what's happening in the world in comparison to what's happening in the church. And the question has to be asked, God, why would you choose the church to represent you? Have you ever thought about that? My characterizations might be a little harsh, but there's truth that the church struggles with the same sins that we see outside in the world today. Why would God use this instrument called the church to represent who he is? A valid question that I want to discuss today. We've all met people, I'm sure you have, I have, who have been offended by a pastor, and I'm sure I've offended many people through the years, or who've been offended by another Christian in the church, another person in the church, and we've seen it where they've just left the church. They've abandoned the church. They, chose, they, went, they go and attend something different. They attend a women's Bible study or a men's Bible study. But they don't go to church anymore. They don't, you know, I'm not saying that couldn't be the church. But I don't know. There's something about fellowshipping together as a body of believers. Not just women. Not just men. Not, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're serving Christ together. We've seen people who have been hurt. Do we abandon the church? Do we throw something out just because someone has misused it or abused something that is designed to be good? My wife and I, we've been married a long time, babe. Yeah. Long, long enough to get to the good life where we have grandkids um, or grandchild. Plural is in faith. Um, 
prophetic word right there. Sorry, Evan. Sorry, Ashley. Um, when we were first married, uh, 1986, that kind of gives you a direction, 35 years of marriage. We decided to go out there. We bought a brand new car. Ford Taurus, black, sports car. That's what we thought back in the day. I don't know if you know this, but the very first year, they actually had a manual transmission for the Ford Taurus. And so we bought one with, that, with a manual transmission because that's what we could afford. It was like two or $3,000 cheaper. So, well, I could shift gears. We'll do that. And so we bought a, a Ford Taurus black. We thought we were hot stuff, all that, and a bag of chips. You know, we had nothing but problems with that car. I mean, in the first year, we... You couldn't get it in reverse. You kept trying. You couldn't. You just, you just would not go in reverse. And, and so we'd call the dealership, and, and they would say, bring it on in. So we'd bring it on in, and they would try to fix it. They couldn't fix it. They kept on trying to fix it. They couldn't fix it. And, and finally, with it, but sometime in that first year, they said, you know what? We'll just, we'll just get you another car. I was young and dumb. I didn't realize what was happening back then. So I got a, a new gray, gray Taurus. Or I don't even think it was a new, I think it might have been used. I can't remember if it was new or used. And, and you know, well, we're doing this great thing for you. And we're going to keep your payments the same. Yeah. Not realizing it's extended for another two years, you know. And so they didn't help me at all. A, I get this lemon of a car and I get this another great Taurus. And, and within the first five years of that great Taurus, I replaced the transmission in that car twice. True stories. That happened over 30 years ago. But can some of you guess how I arrived to church today? I arrived by vehicle. I drove a car. I still own vehicles. The bad experience with two different vehicles didn't deter me from buying more vehicles. Of course, the question must be asked. Pastor Tom, did you buy another Ford Taurus? No! I have not owned a Ford Taurus since. I have not owned a Ford car since. Sorry, Ford. You should have treated me better 35 years ago. But I didn't abandon the idea of owning vehicles just because I had some bad experiences. And neither will I abandon the church, the vehicle that God designed to transport the gospel message to the world. I will not abandon the church, the bride of Christ, which Jesus loves. Will not do it. I know that there are some who have used the church as an instrument for corruption. But anything good will be tested by evil. It just happens. Look at the democratic system of our government. It's been abused and it's been used for corruption, 100%, absolutely. But I would argue that it is still the best format of government that we know of. It is the best system of government that we know of. It's the premier system by which we should govern. Even even though the government of Ukraine is not yet a full democracy... Many people have protested and pressed towards that goal because it's, it's a form of government that helps with freedom, the goal of freedom. And in fact, today we know that many of the Ukrainians 
are there right now fighting and dying for the cause of freedom. They recognize that there is something good. I share this because we shouldn't give up on something designed for good just because someone has tried to use it for evil. In recent years, if you think about it, cars have become weapons. They literally drive them into crowds. We know that airplanes can be weapons, right? And yet each and every day we jump in a car and drive to work. Each and every, or each two or three, four, five, six times a year we'll get on an airplane and fly somewhere. We still use these, these instruments that have been used for evil. And yet for some reason when the church has some problems, we're going to just run away from it. But God says, no, no, no. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the instrument that I'm used that I'm using to change the world. So let's talk about why God has chosen to use the church. And I think it's really imperative that we start with this truth first. God doesn't choose to use perfect people. He doesn't. Do you know why God doesn't choose to use perfect people? Answer? There aren't any. Thank you. We have a good group here. There are no perfect people in this world. So how can God ever choose to use perfect people? Sometimes we we get so messed up with things that, that takes place. But we know the scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. God uses ordinary people with problems, with difficulties. And as you read through scripture, you'll find that God uses people, catch this, who knew they were flawed. They knew they had problems. They knew they had fallen short. He used the man named Saul of Tarsus who became the Apostle Paul. He used this man named Peter who fell short on a regular basis denying Christ three times on the night of his crucifixion. He continues. He used a man named Thomas, guess what, who doubted Jesus that he was really resurrected or not. He continued to use people who had flaws, who had faults. In fact, I think I would say this. We should shy away from, in fact, God shies away from using people who think they are perfect. And we should be careful with leaders who promote themselves as God's instrument to save the world. God doesn't use one person. God uses people. Be careful with churches that proclaim that they are the best church. We're the best church. Nothing wrong with being happy about your church. You should be excited about your local church that you attend. But to to declare that you're the best church, that you're better than any other church, how do you think God receives that? What do you think, God, that we're going to lift ourselves up by degrading others? No, we are the church. If, If we put Jesus Christ first as our Lord and Savior, and we love Jesus... We are the church. God loves his church. God doesn't just love one local church. He loves the church. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, which means it basically means an assembly or people who have been called out. The meaning of the word has nothing to do about a building. I'll say that again. The meaning of the word ekklesia, the called out ones, has nothing to do about a building. There's There's no connection to a building. I am grateful for our building. How many say amen? I am grateful that we have this facility that is debt-free. Say amen again. Yeah. We are grateful for that. 
It's nice to have a building to worship in, but the building should never represent the church. The church is represented by a body of believers who are sold out to follow Jesus. Notice the Apostle Paul never describes any of the churches that he writes to. If you read through the New Testament, 1 and 2 Corinthians, guess what? That's to the church of Corinth. Galatians is a church to Galatia. If you read through the, the scriptures, you'll find Ephesus, 1 and 2. Ephesians is written to the church in Ephesus. Uh, time and time again, Paul writes these letters in the New Testament to these churches. And you'll notice that Paul never refers to a building. He doesn't. All of his letters refer to people. In Romans, Paul writes, I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. In Ephesians, Paul writes, I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul describes the church as a body of believers working together for God's purpose. Listen to Paul's description found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. He writes, the human body has many parts, but the parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we share that same spirit. The spirit he's talking about is the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. It's not that we shouldn't be dedicated to a local church, but we should be championing all churches that preach the name of Jesus Christ. In the bigger picture, we are all one team working together for one cause. Amen? Paul writes these words, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to one another. Have you ever thought about that, that you belong to one another? Look at your neighbor and think of that. I belong... We were brothers. We, see, in, my, in the old days when I was a kid growing up, the church was, man, you know, it was the family of God. And, you always, and everybody would call, and I didn't know. I thought when I was six, seven years old, I thought everybody in our church was related. <laughs> hey, Brother Vernon, you know, and hey, hey, you know, sister. And I'm thinking, man, they, I didn't know they were all. I didn't, they, but everybody called brother and sister, and, and it, was, it was kind of strange back, you know, why are you calling them brother and sister? Because we're the family of God. We belong to one another. Just like your your son or daughter belongs to you. Your parents belong to you. See, as a family of God, we belong to one another. It's why when we see what's happening in Ukraine, our heart needs to hurt. Because we have brothers and sisters in Ukraine that are struggling. That are going through difficulty. When we see what Russia is doing to Ukraine, guess what? We have Christian believers in Russia that is not supporting what's taking place. And they're hurting. And they're in this situation. And we need to hurt for them. We need to pray for them. We need to believe for them because we are one body. Let me share some more thoughts regarding the purpose of the church. Why would God choose the church to be the instrument that represents him? First, is that the church is a safe haven. As I shared before, God specializes with people who have problems. Anybody want to admit that you have a problem today? I'll raise my hand. The church is a refuge for those who are hurting, who are broken. We as a body of believers are the extension of God's hands 
We're the ones that are supposed to be, go out and be the light of the world. The book of Psalms states in Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. God is our refuge, and we represent God as we walk into this world. We should think of the church as a spiritual hospital, a place where you can find forgiveness, a place where you can find healing, a place where you can go and get encouragement, a place where people find God's presence. When is the last time you gave an encouraging word to somebody? Some of you guys are encouragers. You need to start using the gift that God has given you. When is the last time you just spoke into someone's life because you really felt like the Lord had a word just to share with them and, and you just kind of, you need to use the gift that God has given you and speak into that person's life and give them some hope and direction. You see, we are the body. As a parent, are you not going to speak into your child? Are you not going to talk to them and say, hey, you know what, this is not the right direction that you should, I really, man, I feel like this is where you should head. You would speak into your child when you, feel this, when you feel this on you. And, you know, as a body of Christ, we need to love one another, protect one another, speak into one another's lives. It's creating an environment of safety and healing. This is the church. We should all be like EMTs. You know, an EMT is like, a, they usually are either an ambulance driver uh, they, they usually come out in the fire department when all of a sudden the first call 911 and they send out an ambulance and the EMT gets there and, and they do whatever it takes to all of a sudden get this person in a, in a, in a situation where they can transport that person to the hospital. If it, if it requires a tourniquet, if it requires an IV into the arm, they, they, they'll try to stabilize that person the best that they can do so that they can get that person to the hospital where that person can see a doctor, where that person can get medical attention to heal that body, right? And we thank God for our EMTs. Every one of us should be an EMT, a spiritual EMT, where all of a sudden we have the hurting, the broken the, the ones that are, are found just in a situation of hopelessness, they're going through a, maybe a divorce, they're going through a situation that they don't see, the, that they lost a child, they lost a loved one, whatever it might be. We are EMTs in our world. We're not the one that solves the problems. We're not the doctor. We, we're not the ones that can heal, but man, we can put a tourniquet on. We can help stabilize the situation we can get that person into the ambulance and we can bring them to Jesus. And Jesus is the great physician that can change everything in a person's life. He can turn a person's life that is broken over to a place where they find healing and success, spiritual success in their life. Where they're not dealing with anxiety every day, where all of a sudden they find hope every day. Where they're not dealing with addiction every day, all of a sudden, guess what? They find satisfaction in Jesus every day. We are the ones that are, should be presenting people. Am I in the right place here today? It's so quiet in here. Can someone just say something? We're the body of Christ. We need to be excited about it. We need to see the opportunity. What can we do? To make a difference. The goal of the church is to get people to Jesus where they can find healing. See, the church is a place of community. And community is important to God. Jesus built a community with his disciples. 
The church should be that kind of community where we come together and we pray with one another. We care for one another. It's a place for encouragement. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Brett was talking about the opportunity that we have with kids around the world. We're going to actually create a place on a Sunday outside the church where we're going to actually put together meals that we have provided for financially. And we're actually going to package them and we're going to send them across so that we can all of a sudden help another village, help another body of believers who are struggling with just the basic things of life. Guess what? Because you know what? Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. It's why a couple of weeks ago we said, let's go do acts of kindness. And, and I think all of us went and did certain things, or some of us did. And we, we almost turn off the camera because I don't want to. But my wife and I felt impressed. So we went and bought those, what do you call those, nothing bunk cakes. The nice tears. We started passing them out to our neighbors. I think I shared that last week. And we knocked on doors, some didn't answer. But we had some of the best conversations with our neighbors. And it was just trying to, and I had to motivate myself. When I'm speaking up here, I'm motivating myself. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, I need to motivate myself to, to doing something good, something righteous. See, one of the most important benefits of a community is, for, is encouragement. Think of the encouragement that Jesus gave his disciples, the motivation, the acts of love and, and good works. They would have never understood their potential or even their calling without walking daily with Jesus. We have been given the power of his spirit, the Holy Spirit. We are called to encourage one another with the gifts that the spirit has given to us. Words of prophecy, encouragement, hospitality. Someone needs me to invite me over for a meal this week. Hospitality. <laughs> Wisdom, healing. Together we lift one another and we strengthen one another. The church is a place to gather as one body, put aside our differences, and worship Jesus. It's a time when we all of a sudden gather together and we take communion together. Why do we take communion together? Because we remember the sacrifice that Christ gave us and we honor him, our Lord and Savior. And we do that together as community. Listen to the Apostle Paul regarding the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. He says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. Have you ever thought about that? We share the same spirit. That's what makes us the body of Christ. We share the spirit of God who has saved us, who has set us free. The church should be a place that unifies and brings people together. It's a place where our differences are laid aside as we come together and serve Jesus. It doesn't matter about the color of your skin. It shouldn't matter about your economic status or the differences that we might have. All matters is that we love Jesus and we follow his truth. The church provides a place of safety. Second thing. Another purpose of the church is to be a training center. It's a place of growth through teaching and training and discipleship. Luke writes in Acts chapter 2, he says, And the believers devoted themselves daily to the apostles' teachings. 
We're going to start daily services that everybody has to come to church. Every single. I grew up that way. The church became a place of learning and development. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And I want you to, I don't remember if I did this, but can you go ahead and put that scripture up, the next scripture? Yeah, I did. I underlined. The, look at the two words I underlined. It doesn't mean that the rest of the, the, rest of the scripture is just as important. I'm just highlighting these two things. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. I want to point two things out in this passage of Scripture. The purpose of the church is to train and develop others. To equip people spiritually to live in a world that, man, at times it can be so difficult to live in our world. But guess what? We are the church as to help people to be able to live in a world that sometimes is, that we can struggle with sin in. Guess what? The church is to redeem people and to balance people and bring them to Christ. Notice that the responsibility lies on those who have the, these gifts to equip others. Leadership. It's why we as a church have invested in Pastor Melissa, our children's pastor. I need her here pastoring children. She has a heart and a calling for kids. And I need to see a generation of kids that are going after Jesus. Amen? Worth every penny. Whatever it might take. It's worth every penny, every investment to make sure that our kids are hearing the word of God as they should be hearing it at home as well. If you didn't feel that, I just stepped on some people's toes. But that's okay. But we invest because, you know what, we want our kids to, to be, and I can't do it, guys. You put me in a classroom of kids, oh my gosh, they would be, it's like the old Lucille Ball show, remember when she got tied up as she was babysitting and all the kids were running around, they were shooting arrows at her. I'd be that person because I'm not fun, I'm not relevant to them, but Melissa's relevant, she's fun, she has, and she's raising up a leadership team the same way that love kids, and they're making a difference. It's why we invest in a youth pastor. Brett and Danielle, guess what? They love the youth, and they're pastoring these youth. They're loving these kids. They're helping them in a direction to continue to follow after Jesus. It's worth every penny of every investment. It's why we open up youth camps and youth services and fun activities for the kids. Tonight, Brett and Danielle are taking the young adults, and they're going cosmic bowling. I know some of you older adults, why can't I go cosmic bowling? You're not invited. It's for young adults. Go do your own thing. And then I get to go watch Vincent tonight while they're doing the cosmic bowling. Yay. If you don't know who Vin Vinny is, that's our grandson. But the best way for youth and young adults to develop and to be equipped are when they are doing community together. And Brett and Danielle are building leadership teams to impact this generation of youth. It's why we have men's and women's Bible study on Thursday morning at 6.30 a.m. Men's Bible study. We had, a couple weeks ago, we had 18 guys there at 6.30 in the morning. This last week, I had to fill in. We had eight guys. I don't know what happened. So, <laughs> Dino, come back. We got to go back at this thing. We have women's Bible study at 9 a.m. And it's to equip men and women to not only follow Jesus, but to be a testimony of God's goodness and to be a light in the darkness. 
We have groups and other activities during the week for fellowship and learning and development. We are the church. And the church leadership has a responsibility. You might ask, well, Pastor Tom, what's the goal of all the teaching, of all the learning, of all the development? What's our goal? Well, I'm so glad that you asked me. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, we just read verses 11 and 12. The Apostle Paul gives us the answer. Listen to this answer. He says, this will continue until we, and what he's talking about is the teaching the development of the church. He said, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. This is the ultimate goal of a mature Christian, and that is that we represent Jesus Christ. To be a people who will stand firm in their faith. To be like Christ, who, who is solid, and people will come to you and go, like, what's so different about you? Well, we don't put our faith in the systems of this world. We put our faith in another kingdom, the kingdom of God. See, we shouldn't be a people who are influenced by evil, but we should be the people who are influencing others with good. I want to point out from, from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the church leadership... And this is the second part of this scripture I want to point out. Did you notice, can you put that first scripture back? I don't know if you can find it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. The one, yeah, boy, you're good. You're on that thing. Yeah, that's impressive. Now, these are the gifts. I, I underlined that word. And you're going to think, man, Pastor Tom, you're promoting yourself. And, man, you're going, you know, what all that, you know. And just leave that scripture up for a moment. I want to point out from Ephesians 4.11, the church leadership are gifts that Christ gives to his church. And at times I think we miss this thought. Because many times we take pastors and leaders for granted. As it's just a job that they're doing. And I want to change the culture of our church. If that, I don't know if that culture is in us. I don't know that. But I want us to understand that the pastor, it's not a job, it's a calling. Most pastors can do other things and do have much more success as far as in this world and financially. It's a calling by God that's put on their hearts. God has called them to lead the church. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 states these words. It says, elders who do their work well should be respected. Catch this, and paid well. Catch this, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. And I honestly, I don't state this because Pastor Tom needs a raise. The church treats me very well. But I state this because we need to have a better perception for the office or idea of the office of pastors, teachers, evangelists. We must realize that God has given gifts to his church in the form of leadership. And by honoring them, we bring a blessing upon the church. I know that there are some reports of pastors who are paid these excessive amounts, these exorbitant amounts. And, and it's, it's like they're getting rich. I, I get that. I understand all that. I don't want to go down that argument. I'm, I'm going to let God deal with all that, okay? 
But for every one pastor that's being that, I'll, I'll give you 100 pastors that don't. In fact, I just read an article the other day that, that uh, senior pastors in, in America are paid less than an elementary school teacher on the average. Now, thank God for elementary school teachers. And let's keep paying them well. I don't know if you've ever done that job, but that's not an easy job, so we need to pay them well. But to me, it's like, wait a minute, do we not honor the office that God has put in charge of the church to make the leadership for the church for the future because of the church that he loves? Do you see where I'm going? We must realize that God has given gifts to his church in the form of leadership, and by honoring them, we bring blessings upon the church. The leadership of this local church is striving to make sure that our pastors receive a proper wage. Why? And I want you to catch this. It's so important. Because in doing so, we honor the gifts that Christ has given us. Let me, boy, whoo, something just hit me that I'm going to share with you guys. When the Holy Spirit has given you a gift and you don't honor it and you don't use it, what does that say? Do you maybe remove some of the blessings that God has for your life by not honoring and using the gifts that God has given you? Maybe you have a gift of teaching and you're not using it and God says, man, you need to use that gift because you can change people's lives. Maybe you have a gift of hospitality. I know I was joking earlier, but maybe that's that gift that's just on you and you need to open up your house and have people over and be able to love on them and be able to, to have food out there and be able to gather together and talk about Jesus. See, we need to use those gifts that Christ has given us. The last thought I want to share, because I'm running a little late, sorry. I knew I felt preachy today, so I had to get ready. God chose, the last thought I want to share with you regarding why God chose the church as an instrument to use is because it brings a unified mission. We will never accomplish the mission that God has given us alone. We can't do it alone. We need community. We need one another. We only accomplish it by allowing the Holy Spirit to work through the body of believers, to work through each and every one of us. Jesus gave us a mission. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus continues, says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have taught you. We accomplish a mission together as we share about Jesus and his teachings. I share this on a regular basis within our church. I share it with you once again today. The vision here at South Coast Christian is to create an environment to see what God can do through people. It's to create an environment in people's lives, not that just stays here at the church, but to create an environment that goes to their home, that goes to their workplace, that goes to their schools, that goes to the golf course, that goes wherever you might be, you're creating this environment to see what God can do through your life. It's creating a vision through God's word. It's creating possibilities that maybe you have never seen before. It's creating life change through the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And it's our transformation, and this is something I need you to catch today. It's so important that you catch this thought. It's our transformation, which I mean the life change that happens in us, that becomes a vision for others to see. It's our transformation, what's happening inside. That's why testimonies are so important. When you share your testimony of what God has done, 
Janet Braden walks the malls. I know, I don't know if you guys are still doing that right now, but Janet would walk the malls and she would just share her testimony to people and pray for people because people need hope. We need to share our testimony, the transformation of what Christ is doing. See, before I knew Christ, this was my struggles. After I knew Christ, he set me free from these things. And it can be the most powerful instrument that God can use to show a light, to show his love to others, is when all of a sudden they can see a person standing before them that's been transformed by the power of God. And all of a sudden you're standing there representing Jesus himself because of who Jesus is in you, transforming you. Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Catch this. The old has passed away. All things have become new. Your life can be a hope for others. It can be encouragement for someone who, man, is so discouraged and filled with anxiety. Guess what? That's why during this time right now with everything that's happening in our world, we need to be a people filled with faith. A positive people that are ready to love others. Hey, you know what, man, let's pray about this situation. But you know my God, He's a big God. He can do all things. And I know my God's going to take this thing that looks like it's meant for evil, and He's going to turn it around for good. That's what I've been praying. I've been praying, God, I pray for the people of Ukraine, that, Lord God, people will turn to Christ. I pray for people in Russia, God, that they will stand against evil, and they will turn to Christ. Let's pray. See, nothing is more compelling than a transformed life. It's why Jesus came to the earth in such a way, a powerful way, healing the sick, feeding the poor, setting the free, the demonic oppressed, bringing hope to the prostitute, bringing hope to the tax collectors, bringing hope to the common and broken people of his day. Because all of a sudden, all of these people are seeing transformed lives. I remember, wasn't that, wasn't that a leper? And now, I don't see any sores on him. What happened? Wasn't that the person that, just, that struggled with depression? Why do they not struggle with depression anymore? Wasn't Thomas the guy that was always, why is he so filled with faith? Wasn't Saul the guy, that, why is he now working for Jesus? See, transformed lives all of a sudden makes a difference in everyone. The church is the instrument that God has chosen to use. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter responded, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus responded to Peter. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not, hell will not prevail against it. The truth that Peter confessed is that the church is built upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's an amazing thought the church is the instrument that Jesus chose to shine his light through. The question I began today is why the church? Why would God choose to use a group of people who, are, who have failed in life, who have, who have struggled in life, who have had difficulties in life? Because through all that failure, through all that difficulties, guess what? The power of God can be glorified through the church. We can be a beacon of light because we are a transformed life. And we need to use the life that, that God has given us in such a way that He's filled us with the power of His Spirit and we need to go out into the highways and the byways and to start sharing the love of Jesus. And here's the promise that I want you to remember today as we close. 
we are his church and his word says and the gates of hell will not prevail against us translation we win we win that's the translation of that Lord I thank you for today I thank you for your word I thank you God that your, it says in your word that your word will not return void meaning that it will not be wasted that every powerful word that comes and is preached, that is shared, that is taught will be used to change lives and I pray today God as we have shared your word that lives will be touched and changed by the power of your spirit I pray for right now those who maybe are dealing with anxiety in Jesus name God I pray peace upon them in Jesus name for the person who's been watching online that's been contemplating suicide I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you bring hope into their situation and Lord God they will not go that direction but Lord they will turn another direction they will turn towards you they will know that they have purpose and a reason to live because Lord God you have created them in your image Lord God that they are your child I pray right now fill them with your spirit I pray for those who are struggling physically today for Latasha for anyone else who maybe has just been in a struggle, healing in Jesus' name. God, let our lives that have been transformed be a light to those who need to see you. Let us be that bright light on a hilltop that's changing, not us, but the power that's within us is being a light that is changing lives and hearts. Lord, we love you today, and we praise you today, and we thank you for your goodness and your glory. As I close today with every head bowed, eyes closed, if you have never chosen to follow Jesus, and today you want to say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, and you maybe you're watching us online, maybe you're here in the audience with us today. This step is so simple. Jesus did not make it difficult. The Word of God says all we have to do is believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved what that means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ it means to say to, to walk away from sin not that you won't ever sin but you, you're choosing not to go after sin you're choosing not to follow that life you're choosing to follow Jesus Christ and the grace of God will cover all of your sins past present and future so that you can move forward and and walk towards him and if you're here today and you want to say yeah Pastor Tom I want to make that commitment to follow Jesus all you have to do is make that commitment in your heart. If you want to raise your hand, you can raise your hand. If you're online and you want to say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, I see that hand. Anyone else that wants to follow Jesus? Amen. If you're online today and you're making that commitment, raise your hand. I want us all to say this prayer together. As a body of believers and those that are now coming into this body. Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you today. Set me free from my sins. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to do what is right. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. 
Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.